Welcome to the Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife Podcast Archive, where you have access to all the amazing insights Dr. Finlayson Fife has shared through hundreds of interviews. I'm Mackenzie, Dr. Finlayson Fife's assistant, and we are so glad that you're here. The following podcast is an excerpt from Jennifer's new podcast called Room for Two. This podcast features coaching sessions with real clients who are working through issues in their emotional and sexual relationships. You'll get to hear real wisdom from Dr. Finlayson Fife, who is uniquely qualified to help couples who grew up in sexually conservative environments to overcome their relational and sexual roadblocks. The podcast can be downloaded and listened to at any time, making it convenient to access Dr. Finlayson Fife's work and insights. If you want to learn more about this new podcast, follow the link in the show notes below to visit the website and subscribe. The couples in this series are not ongoing clients of Dr. Finlayson Fife. To ensure their anonymity, their names and identifying features have been changed, but their stories and their voices are real. Welcome to Room for Two, Couples Coaching with Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife. Well, welcome to the Room for Two podcast. Tell me, uh, John and Jane, how I can be helpful to you. Jane, I'll let you take it. (laughs) So we have one, maybe two dynamics in our marriage that we set up originally, like unintentionally, just kind of went into it that have, I think as time has gone on, have created a few problems. And so we're aware of them, but old habits die hard, right? And so um, so one of them would be the traditional role-based marriage is, mm. you know, husband goes to work, I stay home with the kids, and I'm not sure that I went into that 100% choice-based. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it was, that's what I should do, what mm-hmm. was expected of me. Mm-hmm. So there's been a little bit of resentment and... Um, The second one, I think, is kind of like the Cinderella Prince model is kind of maybe more me than him. But I went into it thinking, well, he's just going to take care of me and (laughs) he'll make me happy and he'll protect Uh me and he'll do it all. (laughs) And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, all of that kind of stuff. Like I said, we're aware of the dynamics, but like, how do we get out of them once we're in them? Because again, they kind of just show up because Mm -hmm. it's just how we've done things for so many years. And then... Like, how do we know if we're like even on the right path of getting out of them? There just doesn't seem to be a lot of role models of like a collaborative, intimate marriage. Mm-hmm. Everything that we've seen has been more traditional, role based. Role based mm-hmm. And so, like, we don't even know what if does we're it on even right look path. like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, good. And John, what what is your view about what Jane's saying? Do you have thoughts about this? No, I can see what she's saying is accurate. Like, I didn't even really think about it be honest until she kind of brought it up to me and started talking about it. And I can see how we've got to where we are. And I think probably within the last year, we've made quite a few changes. But even with making the changes, it still seems like there are still roles. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I'll go ahead. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, Tell me about what changes from both of your perspectives you have each made or what efforts you've made. And also, just just for listeners and for me, just give it a picture a bit of like, how many years married are you? Kind of where are you in your marital journey? So we've been married 
19, just over 19 years. I've got three kids. Um, they're all still home, I assume. They're all still home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but they're probably in their adolescent ages, age range ish. Yeah, two mm-hmm. teenagers. And okay, that just helps me to get a little bit of a picture of <laughs> yes. where you no are babies. in terms of no yeah. Babies. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Pass that. So, tell me then, what efforts have you made? So, I have listened to like probably every one of your podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I've done the art of desire and we've done the couple sexuality course together. Uh-huh. We haven't done the relationship course. Uh-huh. Like I came to an understanding of where my resentment was coming from that I was, you know, blaming other people for my choices instead of mm. taking ownership of them. And so in realizing that I've made some changes that have really helped in just me kind of stepping up and taking a bigger role in the marriage instead of just turning everything over to, mm. to John and letting, and then being angry when he, when mm. I didn't like what he chose, but I had given him that responsibility. Mm. Good. Then, can you give me just an example of that? Just so I can see it myself, like something that you might've turned over to John in the past and then you've shifted. I think a big one was a lot of the housework and the taking care of the kids, like everything that went on in the house, like he would work outside the home and I would take care of everything in the home and would feel a lot of resentment when he would come home from work and then I was still doing everything in the house Mm -hmm. or he would travel for work. And so then I would really be doing everything. But when he came home, it didn't seem like much changed. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I wasn't ever asking him to help or I wasn't ever telling him I needed help. He would ask Mm -hmm. and I would be like, no, 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 I got it. I got it. But then I would sit and be angry. Mm -hmm. Like I'm always Mm -hmm. the one who's doing everything and you're not doing anything, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't giving him the opportunity or Mm -hmm. even, you know, like letting him know that I needed it. I just expected him to do it. Yeah. And it sounds like even relishing in a victim position Like, no, yes. no, no, I got it. You're going to pay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of. I think I always felt like I was like, well, I'm the good one because I'm doing everything here. Uh-huh. And you're just sitting on the couch. And <laughs> yeah, just to kind of highlight it because it's part of your way out of the trap. It sounds like that the feeling like a victim was a way of inflating your sense of self. Yeah. Or feeling like I'm the good one because I suffer more was a kind of pseudo solution to the questions you might have about your own value and your own sense of your worthiness or your lovability. Well, and I think I took my worth was in the doing. So if I was doing everything, then I had a lot of worth. But if I ever sat down and took a break, then that was a hit to how, what, you know. To how how you wanted to see yourself. Yes. Yes. That you were necessary. Yeah. Uh huh. The good one. Yeah. Yeah. So then tell me about, and maybe John, from your perspective, tell me like, what in your view do you see Jane doing differently? Or have you experienced yourselves doing differently? I think probably the biggest thing that we've done differently is we've actually opened up communication um, mm-hmm. and been honest with it. So now, like if I ask her, hey, do you need help? She mm-hmm. feels comfortable saying yes. Mm-hmm. And she also, I think she's not quite as comfortable at doing this, but she will. Like if I haven't asked and she needs something done, she'll come up to me and say, Hey, will you do this? Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. before she would have never have thought about doing that. Great. Um, mm-hmm. And I think kind of on my side is now I'm kind of looking for things where I can help out. Like, mm-hmm. so basically going back to the role-based marriage, 
uh, if we were uh, cooking or whatever, I would handle anything outside. She would handle anything inside. Mm. Um, yes. <laughs> right. Should do uh, all grill, so, meals on the grill. <laughs> yeah. Yep, exactly. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so like, I just felt like I was getting in her way if I was mm. in the kitchen with her. And so I would just give her space. Mm. Well, in reality, you know, through talking again, I think a lot of it just stemmed from communication mm -hmm. um, through talking with her. She would say, you know, I could use help cutting things. I could use help doing this. But yeah, there are times when I want you out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I think we're kind of getting to the point now where we communicate those things. Whereas before, I never really even thought about it. I just thought she liked being in the kitchen doing her thing and didn't want me in there messing it up. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So what I hear you saying is that you're both just taking more responsibility. You're using the language of communication, which I think is fine. But I think what I hear in it is you're both being more honest and more collaborative, not making assumptions or just avoiding the conflict or the exposure, but moving toward it and each taking more responsibility Attempting in how this goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So that's all very good. I mean, and it's all in the direction of deeper collaboration. I think, Jane, you confronting your, well, I don't know how much you saw it as this, but I think if you say, yes, I could use help or it would help me if you do this, you're squarely stepping out of the martyr need mm -hmm. to be needed position mm -hmm. and taking deeper responsibility for yourself and your desires and what you want to create. And John, it sounds like you're a willing participant, it doesn't sound like, but you guys can tell me that you're resenting those requests or avoiding them or, or not trying to participate in a better way. No. Would, yeah. I think both of us have the same end goal in mind to have a better marriage, be mm -hmm. more in tune with each other, to be more passionate, to be more one with each other and, and mm -hmm. understand each other. Mm -hmm. But right. I don't think it was also yeah. like, it sounds like it was like, Oh, I'll just ask for more help and he'll just give it and everything will be fine. Like it wasn't quite that. Yeah. <laughs> it, wasn't quite, it wasn't quite that easy as it <laughs> took. It's probably been a couple years of like going back and forth. And, you know, he's saying, well, I've spent so many hours outside the house. How many hours did you spend? What did you do in those hours? And like it mm -hmm. took a while to understand what an actual intimate marriage or a collaborative marriage would look like. And mm -hmm. yeah, I was trying to like explain it, but I'm not sure even what it was. And so I think that's also kind of where like, we don't even know if we're on you're the right trying, track. You're both trying, you're both sort of fumbling towards something. <laughs> yeah. And that it, you're just saying, let's be clear, it's not been a clean, comfortable process. Yes. Yes. <laughs> there yes. has been some open negotiation and disagreement, it sounds yes. like, around is this fair or not? It sounds like what you're describing, at least initially, had somewhat of a transactional quality to it. Well, how much have you been doing? How much have you been doing? Mm -hmm. And moving in the direction of working together more, working more collaboratively. But I'll help you think through that more so that it's a little more concrete what I'm saying. Tell me where you feel stuck or where you feel at an impasse. I think... For me, I have always been like a people pleaser or like I would call myself the doormat. Like I would just yeah. <laughs> lay down and let people tell me what to do and just do it. And I think there's still probably some of that going on that maybe we don't even recognize because it is the mm -hmm. one, the pattern of my life and then the pattern of our marriage where yeah. I... Mm -hmm. I'm still not sure if I'm fully participating as an equal partner because I don't know how. 
Okay, good. or it's so uncomfortable that there might be times when I step up, and other times that I probably could step up more and don't because I just don't, you know, it's so uncomfortable, or I don't know how, or mm-hmm. especially okay, around finances is a big one where I just because I don't earn the money, I almost feel like I don't get a say. Mm-hmm. And it's not that John is acting that way. It's probably more me mm-hmm. <laughs> than him. Right. And I think on that flip side, because I'm home with the kids all the time, I think he, like when it comes to kids and what's going on with them, I think he tends to want to hand it over to me just saying, well, I don't know as much as you because I'm not home as much. Mm-hmm. And so... I can still see a few areas where it doesn't feel fully collaborative because it is, he's earning the money and I'm home with the kids. So this is your area. This is my area. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with areas of specialization. And there's nothing wrong with one knowing more than the other in a marriage. Mm -hmm. You can specialize and be the one who's better at something. But I think what collaborative couples grow out of is the need to be needed or the need to earn their value in some way in the marriage. And the questions of their value are not being worked out through the marriage. Mm. And they prioritize us over I or you. So it's not like putting the other person's needs first, nor is it putting your own needs first. That whole language we use at church a lot, like you put the other's needs first. That's still the wrong model, in my opinion. It's like one is going to win. Who's it going to be? And the couples that really are collaborative prioritize a marriage in which two people thrive. And so what is my role in creating that space? It has to do with self-valuing and the courage to self-value, but to also value the thriving of the, of the other and kind of knowing neither can fully thrive without attending to both. So that's the goal of a good marriage. That's the goal of a collaborative marriage. But I'll come back to that because I see plenty to work with you on, Jane, around what you just said, but I want to kind of see, John, tell me about your perspective on where you feel stuck. Um, So my understanding was that basically we would kind of get out of roles, but then with what you just said is there are roles in a collaborative marriage. Mm -hmm. And so at what point is it a collaborative role versus a non-collaborative role? Right. I guess that would be my biggest question. So just to educate it, the way that I would articulate is when it's non-collaborative, you either need or you need to be needed. It has to do with your value residing in the other. So needing or needing to be needed are both needy positions. They're both dependent positions. And psychologically, to be in a thriving marriage, you can't do that. So Jane was saying very clearly... I have needed to be needed. This is, I've needed to earn my value. I saw it as, okay, you can be the Cinderella, but you got to earn it and you got to be necessary and you've got to be the long suffering one. But the trade-off is he's going to provide my happiness, my sense of self, a sense of security. This is a dependent system. Tell most people get married, just in case you feel badly about this. <laughs> I mean, the great majority of people get married in exactly this kind of dependent model that looks like it's all about you, but really I'm trying to solve me through you. And John, on your side, if you're the prince, and you may see yourself a little differently than the prince, but if you're the provider of your wife's happiness, well, then there's also this kind of sense of I need 
to be appreciated or valued or recognized for what I give or because I give the money or whatever, you know, I should be able to come home and be comfortable. So we learn these kind of roles that are about earning value through the other person. In a collaborative marriage, you've solved the question of your value within yourself. You're no longer looking for someone else to offer it to you. You have come to peace with who you are, not because you're perfect, not because you're invulnerable, not because you don't make mistakes, as we all do always, but because you're at peace with being human and you can love without needing to be loved. You can invest in the other person and in the partnership without the need to make sure you're going to get some acknowledgement for it. That's the goal. I have another question. For sure. You. So if the whole time like she wanted to be a pleaser and feel needed and, and all of this, and if she's trying to get away from that, but mm-hmm. if that's what has driven her, how do we help her still feel good and driven with removing that part from her life that she's been in for so long? Well, the first thing I'd say is we don't help her. I mean, <laughs> so it's not, it's not going to come from you or me. I mean, I appreciate what you're trying to ask, which is, I see this as a problem. So we can think about that. But I think also part of my problem, I guess, in the Prince syndrome is protection role. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want her to struggle. I don't want her right. to feel bad. So I want to do things that will alleviate that from her. But I think in doing so, I step on her toes when she's that's right. doing herself. That's right. There is a, just to be completely honest, there is a basic condescension in it. Now, I appreciate that condescension. I've condescended to many in this way. <laughs> <laughs> I like being a helper. I like over-functioning for my kids. You know, it's an easy thing to do, but it is giving the message that you're not strong enough. It also interferes with the individual getting strong enough and self-reliant and self-sufficient, which psychologically every human being needs to thrive. And that is that they can sustain their sense of self and their sense of dignity without dependency on another. We all start out dependent. There's nothing wrong with that. There's no way to get around it. But to parent well and to partner well is to not interfere with the other's sufficiency because you or I need to earn that sufficiency through being needed. Now, on the other hand, I appreciate something that's part of masculinity and masculine energy is a protective instinct. It has its place for sure. You know, it's been protective of societies, of women, of children when they are vulnerable physically, right? There is real value in it. It just loses its value if it's interfering with someone else's strength. So you have to really look at, is this coming from something strong in me? Or is it coming from my own anxiety about her anxiety? Or my need to see myself in a particular way? And Jane has exploited that in you. She's liked that. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) right? So on the one hand, Jane's saying, I got kind of inducted into this, which is true. You know, who at 20 or whatever knows really what they're choosing. (laughs) Um, You kind of take on what culturally you've been handed. But, you know, women are not idiots. Like they know how to get the resources that they need. And so Jane was saying like, okay, I'll be the self-sacrificing one, but you know, then you kind of owe me and, you know, you're not doing a great job of it. Just want to let you know. (laughs) 
<laughs> so these, these kinds of dynamics emerge. So Jane, just tell me what you're thinking about, because there's several things that, that you talked about a minute ago that I kind of like to go back to, but just tell me where you are and what you're listening to and what you're thinking about. Well, I think I agree with everything that you and John have been saying. It sounds very accurate that that mm-hmm. is definitely like the role that I have played. Mm-hmm. And I can see like you, I was even thinking this morning, like with education, as soon as like we met our senior year at college and I had career aspirations. And like, as soon as we decided to get married, it was like, they just all went away. Like, I'm just going to be home and you'll just take <laughs> care of me. And I look back and I think, what the heck was I thinking? <laughs> like, <laughs> but I think that was just like, that's just what I knew to do. And so right. like, I can see in hindsight, that is exactly what happened. Not right because we talked about it and said, hey, let's do this. This sounds great. <laughs> right. There you was nothing start. ever verbalized. Yeah, it's just what we did. And like, again, in hindsight, I can see how, like you said, I exploited the protector in him, his natural personality and what men are socialized to be by like kind of just rolling over and playing dead kind of in the marriage for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. I mean, it, and it's so socially programmed mm. that to not do it is to be unusually awake. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, you're just doing what was kind of set up to do, you know, take his name and, you know, you follow him around and mm-hmm. uh, be the support staff for his bigger yeah. project and get his okay. love in exchange. Okay. So I think the best focus is just how to challenge yourself around this, Jane, and how to move out of your what I hear you talking about. So you said a minute ago, I'm a people pleaser. I kind of take the doormat position. It's been a pattern in my life and also my marriage. And I don't even know what equal looks like or feels like. To access the rest of this episode and more coaching sessions like this one, visit the link to the website in the show notes below. There you can learn more about the podcast and subscribe to it. Become an annual subscriber today. Annual subscribers receive exclusive benefits that you can't get anywhere else, including an opportunity for a free coaching call with Dr. Finlayson Fife, priority access to her live events, a free 30-minute e-course on creating a better sex life, and bonus content such as episodes and Facebook Lives. We are so excited about launching Room for Two and giving you access to more of Dr. Finlayson Fife's wisdom and insight. We hope that you'll subscribe, listen, and gain value from the episodes. Thanks. Have a great week. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Dr. Finlayson Fife and the work that she does, check out the links in the show notes below to find her website, online courses she offers, information on upcoming events, and her free Facebook group.